Welcome to another episode of Healthy Obsession. As always, it's your boy Hayden with the co-host. It's Chris. And this week, we talk about the Oscars, no, Oscar nominations, and the Oscars, and then we tangent, and then get back on talk about the Oscars. But some of the other things that we talk about is a little bit of news pieces. We talk about Fall Guys coming out with its new season, Halo releasing information about the game Halo Infinite and how we feel about some of the things that have been discussed about that and then the always strong impact or how we keep plugging Xbox Game Pass and the new big addition to that being Bethesda joining the lineup but yeah let's just get right into it So, Chris, you know, it's March, and you know what happens in March, right? Uh, basketball? Yes, March Madness, the NCAA tournament. And with this year, with the whole tournament being in the state of Indiana... Oh, is it really? I think... Yeah, I think we can hit our audience with this hot announcement that we will be recording the podcast live from both of our rooms as normal. So, if you thought we would do some on-site shit, get jabated, bitch. Do you actually think anyone thought that we would be at the tournament to record a podcast for our non-sports-related podcast? No, but because my bracket pool that I'm setting up for for my friends is just a shameless plug for our podcast, if they were to listen to this episode, I just debated the shit out of them. So that's that was the whole purpose of that. Okay. Cool. I'm glad you're not going to force me into watching basketball. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what that's what I said. So, but um to oh, see that's one thing we didn't discuss. We need to come up with what we're going to do our bracket for cuz we need to start that. We need to do that for next week. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking which about that. We don't we I won't bore the audience with uh just us figuring out what we want to do a bracket on cuz I don't think that's the quality content we're going for here. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's March Madness. We actually have a tournament this year, which is fun and exciting. So I wanted to ask you, because I don't know if you've ever done it or not. Have you ever filled out a bracket for March Madness? Uh, yeah, I've done it a couple times. Uh, there was once in high school, uh, oddly enough, I think it was in my chemistry class, uh, the chemistry teacher was a, a big March Madness guy. And I mean, you know, people in high school are big sports people. So it was a thing he did every year where he had his whole class fill out a bracket. And there was a small prize for it. And then uh, in college, when I was part of the radio station, um, just for fun, because everyone knew I wasn't a sports guy, I, just, I walked into the sports meeting and was like, okay, we filled out brackets. <laughs> so I think it's funny that the apps for brackets have kind of adapted to people that don't know jack shit about or sports, let alone college basketball. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I think it was now, they uh, implemented this new filler fi- option when filling out your bracket where you could just say, pick, pick it by random. The whole thing, everything is completely random, which I think is kind of cool, but... Also, you can get some just 
ridiculous outcomes. It's like you would probably never win a bracket pool with it, but if you want to be involved and just wing it, there's an option for you. Yeah, I mean, at that point, if you don't know anything about basketball and you can't apply uh, the logic and the statistics to it, then it's essentially just like buying a lottery ticket, right? Oh, yeah. Well, as someone such as myself who pays a lot of attention to college basketball, uh, I never win bracket challenges. I actually won for the first time in my life, I think it was, the last time, two years ago, so the last tournament. So I already know I'm probably never going to win again, um, <laughs> and I'm just going to ride the coattails of that victory and just know that I'm just in it for the fun now. <laughs> nice. Congratulations. You've achieved boomer status. Yeah. You have peaked. I know um, my my cousin has a bracket pool that I was in for that one. It was the one I won, um, and he decided to get my 85-year-old grandmother in on it. So he, she, she's not great with using computers. So he just called her up and went through every matchup for her and picked which ones she thought would win, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's nice. Did, did she just, have any idea what was happening? Yeah, yeah. She follows sports pretty well. Okay. Like, for as much as you could expect someone in their 80s. Um, so she, she did pretty decent there. She had some decent picks, but she, she didn't end up winning. I thought it would have been the funniest thing in the world if she – she beat all of me and my cousin's friends. That would have been so funny. So, yes. was, uh, was there not an NCAA tournament last year? Correct. Uh, that is how I kind of gauge the fact that we are just over one year into the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it, I can't remember if it was the Wednesday or Thursday now of this last week. Um that was when Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz, it's in the NBA, in the NBA, tested positive with coronavirus. So he was the first NBA player to test positive. And then right after that happened, everything just went seemed like shut down overnight. Like uh, people, schools were calling canceling school that Friday, and then didn't go back for the rest of the semester. Uh, the in, the big NCAA conferences all canceled the rest of their conference tournaments the nba shut down their season they put i guess they postponed it um and then that that was when at least for me is when i mark it of when everyone in the u.s went oh wait what what what's going on so it's kind of creepy that that was only a year ago because it seems like it was yesterday and also 10 years ago at the same time the NBA ended up turning that around and did the bubble and still had a pretty successful season. Uh, is the NCAA mm-hmm. doing anything similar, or are they just kind of winging it because they think it's safe enough? That's why the entire tournament is being played in the state of Indiana. I see. Okay. So, so all 68 teams, on, for the men, I believe the women's, I don't know if the women's tournament is in one city as well. I believe their cha- their final four is in San Antonio. So I don't know if their entire tournament is in the state of Texas. Um, that would kind of defeat the purpose a little bit. One, because Texas is completely open, and two, giant as fuck. Um, so most of the games are being played in Indianapolis, where there are also some being played at IU's campus and at Purdue's campus. Uh, or I say campus, their stadiums. 
in the first weekend, so this coming weekend. And then the rest of them are all being played downtown. So they're kind of mini-bubbling it where uh, everyone's just in one city. So there's not a bunch of locations across the country where games are being played. Mm-hmm. Which is better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah, we at least get the tournament this year. So that'll be that'll be exciting. But uh, the wow, I almost got you to spend 10 minutes on basketball. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, but... The the main point of bringing up the bracket stuff is the bracket challenge. The, I'm shamelessly plugging the podcast in a bracket group. And if anyone listening would want to be involved in it, simply follow us on Twitter and let the Twitter account know, and I can send you the link. Yeah, what's that? What's that username? Uh, are we under uh, obsession underscore pod? Got it. Yeah, remember. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, within my friends, I'm doing money. I'd feel sleazy taking money from someone potentially random that I don't know for a bracket tournament. So you could just be in it and see if you can beat me and my friends. It probably won't be that hard because <laughs> shit's random as fuck. Uh, but yeah, there's our sick opening segment. Now, actually, so related to uh things marking the start of the pandemic, right? Yes. Uh, Fall Guys Season 4 is Yo, going s- to launch in about a week. Sick transition, though. And that that's hot. <laughs> And that's not exactly, like, huge news, because Fall Guys has kind of dropped off recently. I still like Fall Guys. I still play Fall Guys. But uh, they they dropped a trailer today, and at the end of the trailer, they teased an Among Us skin for Fall Guys. Oh. And, and like, you know, looking back on the last year, wasn't that the weirdest fucking trend that the two biggest games of the stay-at-home season both had weird bean people and were only just now getting a crossover for it? Yeah. Yeah, that is that is pretty odd. But also that those two just kind of... I don't want to say that uh, Fall Guys is a low-budget game because... With the sound quality and the visuals of it, it's not your stereotypical low-budget game, but a lower-budget game. Two lower-budget games just dominated the gaming world in a year where we were all stuck at home, forced to play more video games, and we were playing Among Us and Fall Guys. I fucking love it. For sure. And Fall Guys has been uh, purchased by Epic, so you know, yes. they've probably got more money behind it now, and hopefully that means some longevity for the game. Yeah, I... I love it. I can't wait. I think it's next week. Next Monday is when the season four starts. Yeah, March 22nd. Yep. So that'll be fun because I know we'll be jumping back into it. I've seen some of those stages and I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the whole season is my aesthetic. It's future synth wavy stuff. So I'm going to be super into it. Like that pinball arm one. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. <laughs> that one's going to be, that's going to be like the, the wall one probably 10 times worse yeah uh and then also uh you know i got got a lot of video game news this week uh not not like huge things but things that i i, I want to bring up with you because uh as with most weeks it feels like it's been a long time since we've talked yeah well yeah with work schedules and over the weekend i was 
busy all weekend, so I wasn't really on Discord much. And so, yeah, this just like last week, it seemed like, oh my god, this is the first time we've talked since we recorded the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I guess it came out, I, I consider you a bigger Halo fan than me. I'm kind so, of obsessed. So, <laughs> so, I'm curious, I guess it was announced that uh, Halo 6 wouldn't have dual-wield or playable elites, and I just kind of wonder, mm-hmm. does that matter? Does that so upset you? Uh, so it's funny that you ask me that, because um, neither one really upsets me. But uh, a YouTuber that I follow that is where I get most like he goes uh, covers all these all the Halo news and stuff like that. I believe it's Hidden Xperia on YouTube. Um, he's got some really cool just before in the past he'd do deep dive into lore stuff because there was nothing coming out. <laughs> about the new Halo games for him to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, he has a video where he just goes into the, like, map descriptions of all the original maps in, like, Halo 1, 2, and 3, and it's almost like ASMR, but kind of interesting, too, because it's just, like, the lore behind each map. But he was talking about this, and it was... He did not like... He had some very strong feelings about, especially no playable elites, just be, simply because... uh. They've been a staple in 75% of the mainline Halo games that Bungie made. Um, I don't care that much. I've never really cared that much about playable elites. I I know that there is a section of the fan base that feels very strongly about that. Um, And our big fans, I believe, our friend Jackson is probably one of them because he would always go elite. Right. Um, If I were to care more about... If I'd have stronger feelings on one, it would be on the elites where I'm like, eh, that, I mean, I kind of wish they had them. The dual wielding thing, I don't care about. I, 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 I just don't care about that much, mostly because, especially with the way that four and five had gone when it comes to the weapon meta, which is weird to say, uh, they, three, four, three hasn't put a lot of importance on, how dual wielding can affect a combat situation, regardless if it is multiplayer or campaign. Um, for whether that you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, three four three hasn't really cared much about dual wielding. I always thought it was cool when you could do it, but like after two, I don't know how often you go to dual wielding. Like except except maybe in campaign. So. Again, it doesn't really bother me as long as that means we're getting new cool weapons that wouldn't be cool if we could just dual wield. This so. this is also kind of related, at least in my mind, uh, the lack of these Halo staples. Uh, I keep coming back to the gameplay we saw uh, at, uh, God, was it E3? Do we have E3 last year? Time means less this it, last year, you yes. know? Microsoft was the only one, I think, that actually had an E3 conference thing. Like, at the same time, E3 was happening, and it was then that we got to see it. And that's crazy, because that was almost a year ago now. (laughs) So I keep coming back to that gameplay trailer and the grappling hook we saw. Yeah. And I feel like Halo 6 is going to be a watershed moment for 343. And at this point, the Halo franchise in general. It could go either way, but... This game, despite being the third in an established trilogy, 
already looks like it's going to be wildly different than any Halo game we've seen previously, and I'm very interested to see if that's going to pay off or not. Because generally, yeah. I'm for grappling hooks in video games. I, I pretty much across the board love grappling hooks when they can be implemented. Um, but if I had to pick a game that I didn't think a grappling hook fit in, Halo would probably be the top half of the list, you know? Yeah, I just think the thing to keep in mind is, and this is how, from 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 all the stuff that I've been hearing, that because since they kind of shook up the top of the development team, I think that was at the end of 2020 when that happened, they've been putting out a lot more content, monthly drops about how things are progressing and news bits, like what we're discussing, the dual wielding and the elites thing. I think last month we got more info about stuff related to the campaign. Um, they're give so the devs are giving you more insight, and I think the 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 vision that I am pulling from all this insight is they want this to be a almost soft reboot of the series in general. Like they'll still bring in old storylines, and I feel like they're trying to God of War it. And if I mean that is a very very high bar to try and hit as i mean i never played the original god of war trilogy they weren't they were great games and then for them to come out with the new god god of war is did it have a subtitle no it was just god of war the, the new the, the new god of war to come out and just be f just amazing in every way mm -hmm. it kind of it was a new it was still god of war but it did this new stuff that the other ones hadn't done and I really am getting the vibe that th that might not be their goal, but they're kind of trying to do something similar to that. Yeah, which I, I feel like with the way 4 and 5 were received is probably the smart way to go. Uh, mm -hmm. It just remains to be seen whether or not 343 is a competent enough dev to pull that off. I yeah, think some what I've seen is the right direction. But obviously, we don't know anything about the execution. And the game's already been pushed back significantly since that gameplay trailer. Yeah. But everything I've been hearing that they've started been putting out more frequently. Because, like, in 2020, they, would, they were not putting out, like, dev insight updates at all. And, it, and they've started doing that now. And some of the scenarios that they're talking about of how you can approach different battle situations based on what kind of equipment and weapons you have, what time it is, because there is a day-night cycle, and that can drastically like affect how you approach. Do you go in stealthy at night? Do you wait? Is it during the day, and you just need to pop the snipers from a distance and then infiltrate, or just go in guns blazing? They're trying to, from what they've been saying, they're trying to develop a much more dynamic way to approach encounters, which... um is just kind of my, I just get really excited whenever I hear that kind of stuff. And especially it being in a Halo game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, my hype train is getting up there again, and I'm concerned about that just because the gameplay reveal a year ago kind of killed my hype. <laughs> the best case scenario is that Halo 6 is going to be what Assassin's Creed Black Flag was to its franchise. Yeah. Which is Brings totally possible. Back. And I think it'll be good for the franchise. Uh, I mean, like you said, I'm excited. I, at the very least, I'm interested. 
Yeah. Especially yeah. with, you know, Halo 6 coming straight to Game Pass, there's not going to be any reason not to play it. Oh, yeah. Which, oh, I see, oh, I see what you did there. I know where this is going. Go ahead, you take this. <laughs> so, also, just the other day, it finally became official that Bethesda is now owned by fucking Microsoft. Isn't that wild? Yes, it's so awesome. Because it got announced that it, the acquisition was going to happen a couple months ago, was it? Yeah. It and was, then it was it's finally been official. Ago. And then, yeah, yeah, just a few days ago, they are officially under Microsoft. Which means... They have added 20 Bethesda games to Game Pass. I didn't think they were going to do it immediately, but it was immediately. Like, they all went up the day it was official, and I was like, oh, shit. So I, I, I downloaded Oblivion. I haven't played it yet, but I haven't played Oblivion in forever, but I can play it on PC now. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, and they're big titles. We have not only Doom, but Doom Eternal, Skyrim, Doom. Oblivion. We've got both Dishonored's. Wait, is is Fallout 4 on there? I think so, and 76. God, there's just all, all their big franchises are all on Game Pass now. And both. It's it's PC Game Pass and uh regular Game Pass. Like that's nuts. Yeah. I mean, you know, here at Healthy Obsession, we're already big proponents of Game Pass as a deal and a platform. But uh man, you want to talk about going all in on Game Pass. Bethesda, you know, I mean, say what you will about uh, Fallout 76 and business practices related to the rollout of said game. Bethesda is a powerhouse of first-party titles. You cannot deny the pedigree of publishing that comes with titles like Elder Scrolls, Doom, Dishonored, and Fallout. And Wolfenstein. Now. And Wolfenstein. And to bring all of those... For, I mean, like, what what is PC Game Pass? $10 a month? If you just have PC Game Pass, yes. It's the same as regular Game Pass. If you have Ultimate, like I do, it's 15 Imagine you're 16 years old, and you've only just discovered that you maybe like RPGs, and you get <laughs> $10 for your birthday to spend on Game Pass. The hours of content that you can now sink into a catalog like Bethesda's for so cheap. It's insane. Could you have imagined a deal like this five years ago? No, no. I mean, the amount of time that you could get in playing Fallout 3, Fallout 4, Oblivion, and Skyrim, just four, there's four of them. Like, granted, they're all the flagship RPGs of Bethesda, but you could get hundreds of hours in each of those games let alone being able to just play all four of them for ten dollars a month that's insane and it makes me generally very excited still to see microsoft's phoenix-like rise in this generation of gaming because i i'm still all aboard that train right now even if like i'm playing less video games these days than normal i still love watching the industry and I mm -hmm. really think Microsoft is on a good path right now. Yeah, now they just got to hope that all these smaller studios and some now these bigger ones that they are acquiring can start putting out games. It does help that, like with all console releases, Sony also doesn't have really anything 
in the go- that was just waiting in the wings for PS5 to launch and then go, oh, boom, here you go, console seller. So it's it's given Microsoft time to potentially have a slate that could try you could it could be put in the same league. It might not directly compete because I still don't know how I mean until we see otherwise, Sony is unmatched in the sheer quality of their exclusive titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that <laughs> what Microsoft has acquired can't try to punch up at them, but I mean you're, we're gonna have it's gonna be a sh- uh, until I see it moment. I I I, I want to believe I love it when those two big guns can be going back now. Exclusives is a whole other thing. I don't I don't really like exclusives anymore. Um, but to have two relevant part players again at the top of the video game world, I think is better. One for consumers, mostly because that just means more shit's gonna come to Game Pass. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I have no doubts that Microsoft is counting on Bethesda to crank out some really good first party titles for them. Uh, if for no other reason that uh, you know E3 was announced that they're still doing an online event this year, um, and Xbox has said that they're going to effectively do what they would do for E3 at their own summer event, but with this acquisition, they also said that this was going to specifically be in conjunction with Bethesda, which probably means the days of a Bethesda conference at E3 are done, and that's just going that's to be okay. in Xbox. <laughs> I think that's okay, given given oh, some yeah. of their old ones. No, Bethesda for sure has a checkered past of running their own press conferences. But you, you know what that means, and I'll confirm it right now. Uh, we're gonna see Elder Scrolls Six at the this year. Oh yeah, gotta. We, we are gonna. We haven't seen it since they said we're working on it. We're gonna see something. Not. I'm not saying a release date, but we will see something new from Elder Scrolls Six. Which is dangerous, because they they announced it potentially so early that we're effectively in cyberpunk territory for Elder Scrolls Six. But they kind of, didn't they also kind of do it the same cyberpunk way of going, oh yeah, I mean, we're working on it. I mean, that's literally all that they said. We've started working on it. I think it was, we started working on it. Not even like, oh yeah, we've been been working on it. So, they they left it open to be, hey, it's kind of close now. But that was... Five years ago? Was it really? I swear it was around five years ago that they announced Elder Scrolls Six. I, I don't like think gonna be a thing. I don't think it was that long ago. It couldn't have been. It was the same one at the uh, Andrew WK event, right? I don't think so. I thought Pretty that sure was later the same than that. one. But I mean that that is better than CD Projekt Red because when they announced Cyberpunk, they didn't start working on Cyberpunk for like three years after that because they were still making content for The Witcher. So, I mean, okay. hopefully Bethesda is a confident, a competent enough dev that it won't be another cyberpunk. Okay, it was 2018. Okay, so like two and a half years ago at this point. I got it mistaken with how long it was from when Skyrim came out that they announced it because it was like five, I think five or six years from when Skyrim came out, that they were finally like, oh yeah, and we are working on Elder Scrolls Six. Ah, uh, okay. Because we're getting, it was, I think, I think Skyrim was two, th- 2013? Sure. I'm trying. I'm I, I didn't, I, I've speak. not really played any Elder Scrolls games, oh. so. Uh, that game becomes a decade old this year. Oh, man. 
So, yeah, it was seven years, almost seven years from when Skyrim came out that they announced Elder Scrolls Six, And it'll be more than ten years once it's released. Yeah, because it's there's unless there's a bombshell and they want to go literally ten years to the day and go, oh, yeah, it's coming out on November 11th. I hope they wouldn't have made the game that fast, especially, like, after how 76 turned out. I would think a new Elder Scrolls installment would need more time in the oven. More than three years? <laughs> yeah. It seems weird to say that, but for how big and contentful those games are, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd I give you a five would be my not knowing anything about game development. <laughs> that's what I would over-under it at. Five years, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> and also... You know, I, I think I'm not the person to have this conversation, but it's a topic I want to touch on. There was a significant amount of people that going from Fallout 3 and New Vegas into Fallout 4 were pretty disappointed by the differences between those games. Um, There, there was a honeymoon period where everyone was like, ah, yes, new main Fallout. But then, I don't know, pretty quickly, I feel like that soured. And a lot of people were like, uh, I don't like these dialogue options. I don't like the style. I don't like the way the game feels. This isn't Fallout 3. Did you experience that at all? Yeah, I wasn't very crazy about Fallout 4. I didn't play Fallout 4 nearly as much as I did 3 or New Vegas. But I will preface, New Vegas was made by Obsidian and not Bethesda proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, um, so I... I Four to three is the probably the most direct comparison. And part of it was playing four as I got older, but you just didn't feel like you had as much control. And it was a little more dumbed down version of what three was, which kind of sucked. Yeah, and I can't talk specifically on this, but in a similar way, I have very recently heard, uh, you know, Despite how much everyone loves Skyrim and how much Bethesda loves republishing Skyrim, <laughs> uh, my sister, like just last week, started playing Oblivion for the first time. And she's texting me and saying, Wow, this is so much better than Skyrim. What did they do? It, 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 I would agree. Because in Skyrim, you can do literally, in, or in, in Oblivion, you can just do whatever you want. And then in, in, in Skyrim, they tried to, they didn't really like limit you, but they tried to railroad you a little bit into a certain type of play style. Like you couldn't specialize in everything. And the main thing I think that I, at least this for me, was that in, in Skyrim, your race influenced your stats a lot more than what it did in Oblivion. In Oblivion, you had like passive bonuses and that was about it that was where that stopped so from a gameplay perspective it does change it a lot if you went from okay you could have any race and do and especially you could just do anything you could specialize in anything you wanted where in skyrim you were a little more oh you're a red guard okay you probably want to play a warrior with a short a sword and shield or two-handed maybe um so I don't know if that doesn't really speak to the quest structure, which also I think the quest structure and the the depth of quests was just kind of more fun in Oblivion than Skyrim. But that's, again, that's just what I thought on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I'm talking about the pedigree of Bethesda titles, I do kind of want to throw an asterisk on there and say, 
in regards to what their trajectory has seemed to be with their more recent releases, I feel like Bethesda's big power right now comes from id software and arcane studios yeah because dishonored's by far up there at the top of that and doom are the two they're the real meat and potatoes right now of the bethesda catalog i would say yeah and death loop looks amazing i can't wait for death loop to come out that is bethesda yeah i i want to say death loop is arcane Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's going to be good. That'll be coming to Xbox a lot sooner now. Yes. Um, But I think they said that they're still going to honor the initial exclusiveness to PlayStation. Yes, that is correct, which, good for them. Yeah. I mean, well, like you... Good, good for them for an ex- to an extent, but also it's an exclusive, so... Eh. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like you said, not the biggest fan of console exclusives in general, but, uh, you know, they made a deal, and it'd be shitty to go back on that. The only way they would have done that if Mike is if Microsoft went, no, we're buying that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, switching gears a little bit... Uh, and there's there's not really much conversation to have about this. I, I'm just kind of excited. Uh, Netflix gave us more details on their animated Resident Evil movie, which is going mm. to primarily feature uh, Leon and Claire as characters. Uh, and something that I think goes a long way to making this a more quality product than I think multimedia Resident Evil releases have had uh, is that the voice cast for at least Leon and Claire are going to be the same voice actors that voiced them for the Resident Evil 2 remake. Ooh, that's, that's a, that is smart. So it's that an animated Resident Evil movie done with, uh, you know, at least what this current generation would recognize as Leon and Claire voices. Very cool. Yes. Very good. Oh, and actually, uh, also, sorry, going back a little bit on the Game Pass thing, I, <laughs> I do just want to say, that uh, it was also recently announced that Undertale is coming to console Game Pass. So here's your uh, monthly reminder that you should really play Undertale if you haven't. Please fucking play Undertale. It's already on PC Game Pass. You have no reason not to now. Are you talking to me? I'm talking to the audience, but also you. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I ha- nope, I uninstalled it on PC Game Pass. Everyone um, should play Undertale. Oh, no, I still have it. Never mind. I was wrong. I still have it downloaded. Looking at it right here. <laughs> but Chris, Yakuza. I mean, yeah, you should probably play both, but you'll get done with Undertale a lot faster. True. This is true. Well, you're gonna maybe. I'm gonna screw it all up when I start playing Oblivion again. <laughs> yeah. The pick a lane and stay it, Hayden. I'm not good at that. <laughs> Swerve I'm swerving all across the highway. Uh but then jumping from anime to anime. Uh, the new and I believe final Evangelion reimagining movie just released in Japan, and it's already the second highest grossing movie of all time in Japan, right under Demon Slayer. Well, I mean, they love that franchise. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, no, Eva's they huge. Love that franchise. I don't get it, but they do. <laughs> <laughs> So I think, you know, once I can get a hold of a copy of that movie, I think it's time for me to sit down and binge the Ava movies and see if uh, I like them better than the series. Because boy was watching that show a mixed bag. Yeah. I don't really get people who can say the show itself without watching End of Evangelion say it's good. 
Well, hopefully like, nobody okay. does that. Oh, I bet there's. I think there are people who are who do. Like, oh yeah, I do, I like the show. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, not to say it's bad. It's not bad. It's just weird and confusing. And then if you, it just ends, and you're like, what the shit? But then if you watch End of Evangelion, you're like, oh, okay, but like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, End of Evangelion is part of the show. It's impossible to finish the show without watching it. It is the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, I respect Ava as a franchise, if nothing else, and uh, I look forward to the experience of watching those movies, which is about all yep. I could say about the series. <laughs> But I think we're ready for our main topic, eh? Yeah, I think time for the big news that we delayed recording the podcast to get to. The Oscar nominations are out. And spoiler, I've only seen two of the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's also, uh, I mean, like like I was telling you this morning, I think it was fairly predictable. uh, At least in regards to what movies were going to be nominated for Best Picture. There are no surprises here for me. Um, I'm almost no. I I I guess I don't know. Is is Minari Minari's not considered? Oh, it is a is it a foreign language film? I'm just gonna say something. Good lord, it is a foreign language film, somewhat, right? The majority of the film is in Korean, but it is an American film that is in Korean. Yes. Okay, because I was I was surprised to not see it in international movie, but that is truly internet like it's not a, any a U.S. based director or U.S. born director. I guess is how they qualify that. Sure, yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah, that um, that did seem like kind of a backhand to Minotti at the Golden Globes that it was relegated to best foreign language film, yeah, and that but, disqualified it from a best picture nomination. That's probably one of the coolest things to happen is um I why do they have best actor way the heck down here but <laughs> Steven Yoon getting nominated in for Minari that I think surprised some people. Yeah, no that's that's very cool. Um it's it, like the the three big big ones for that category are going to be uh Steven Yoon uh, Anthony Hopkins, and then, of course, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, not to count out Riz Ahmed or Gary Oldman, uh, but, you know, like I said from the beginning, I, I think there's not a doubt in my mind that Chadwick Boseman is going to take that category regardless. So I, I think yeah. it's very important for us to recognize the people that are nominated. Uh, I have heard, I, I've not seen The Father myself, but I have heard that Anthony Hopkins is fantastic in The Father and probably would be the winner if not for the Academy wanting to pay respect to Chadwick Boseman. But like you said, this is the first time that an Asian-American actor has gotten the nomination for Best Actor as well. Is it? Like, he is the first one? Yes. That's kind of sad, but I understand it. And it so progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's take Have it from the se- top real quick. Okay. So what, 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 where are you taking it from the top? Because I don't think my list is the same as yours. Okay, well, I'm talking in order of importance, so best picture. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, so we've only got eight nominations for best picture this year. 
Uh, kind of surprised there's eight. As opposed to the ten that the Academy allows themselves. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with how weird this movie was for, or this year was for cinema. So, those eight pictures, we have The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minati, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago 7. And you recently saw Judas and the Black Messiah and Trial of the Chicago 7. So how do you feel about those being nominated here? I get it. Um, I think we were talking about this a little bit previously. But um, I-, I like both of them. I don't, I'm don't. i more entertained from Trial of the Chicago 7. I think, but that's kind of just the point. Like, the Trial of the Chicago 7 is just a more entertaining movie than what Judas... And the Black Messiah is. Um, I have some issues with Judas and the Black Messiah and how some characters were really done. Like I, I think Lakeith Stanfield's character, like I, it, it, it to me it was just like there he is. He's there. Here's this dude. He's doing this thing, but you never real. I didn't think you really were forced or given a real. Uh, direction on how you're supposed to feel about him until the end. And then you're like, he killed himself. So he's like, oh, so he did feel bad. Because up until then, I was like, did he feel bad? I don't know. So, <laughs> I minor spoilers for Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm going to pull a you versus James on this, and I really don't think you understood the movie. Mm. No, I... Uh, oh, the, what, what, what did I not... What did I miss? Cause, please tell me, because... Well, I, I just think, watched it and went, I didn't... I think your assessment of Lakeith's character and the idea that you didn't know how you were supposed to feel about him is... I mean, I can't say it's wrong, but I feel like it's lacking. Yeah. Because at the I, same time, it seems like you're writing that off, but I think that's kind of the point. That's just... I don't know. I just... From some stuff I've heard from other people, and maybe I'm letting that warp my own opinion which that wouldn't be a first <laughs> um i i think it would have i, I kind of wish we got more from fred hampton's character or more just really more interaction between fred hampton and i can't remember that other guy's name so i keep calling him <laughs> keith stanfield's character yeah but a little more interaction with them because i think if if they had had more interaction and then you could get the idea of like, damn, this dude's kind of cold blooded. He's like, oh, we became bros. I'm gonna help get you killed. Um, brutal. And then you're like, oh, he killed himself, and later he felt bad about it. Be like, oh shit, wild. Yeah, I mean, but, it, it's a very complicated story, and yes, it, it. I I think it's fair to point out also a true story. Yes, I didn't know that Fred Hampton was that young. That's crazy. Yeah. Fuck the FBI. <laughs> yeah, I said it. We like controversial takes on this podcast. Uh, speaking, not, re- not really, actually. Not <laughs> usually we don't. <laughs> oh, except for you and Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of controversy, so Netflix has not only one but two pictures nominated on Best Picture here for Trial of the Chicago Seven and Mank. And Is that you know, I I have first? to wonder if the year in cinema wasn't what it was. Would these be here at all? I don't think Trial of the Chicago 7 would be. Mank, I am actually probably either watching that tonight or sometime this week. 
but from what I've seen, it that's Oscar bait. Mank yes. is just pure Oscar bait. Yeah, I was going to say so that that one. I think would still be here. I don't think Trial of the Chicago Seven would. Yeah, I think Trial of Chicago Seven is very good, and for what we got this year, I think it does deserve its place. But if we had a regular year, there could have been something to beat it out. But uh, I agree, like you said, Mank is a certain kind of Oscar bait, and it's not the same kind of Oscar bait that something like uh, The Green Book or Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is. But it's the kind that, you know, it's about old Hollywood, and Hollywood as an institution loves movies about Hollywood. Uh, and yeah. you, you can't get much more old Hollywood than Mank, given that it is a movie about the creation of Citizen fucking Kane. You know, which if you're a fucking movie hips, you're like, it's the greatest movie ever and nothing will ever be better than it. And I'm like, shut up. It's old. (laughs) I appreciate what it was. I haven't seen it. I can appreciate what it was. I've seen enough old movies to know there's no way that I could watch that today and be like, yes, greatest movie ever. It could never be surpassed. There's my there's where I'm drawing the line. Yeah, I feel the same way. But in listening to several podcasts talk about Mank. I feel like I'm on the verge of actually watching Citizen Kane myself because I'm starting to wonder if it does still hold up, and that would be crazy to me. Because I'm kind of oh, like I you. I, I can't stand some of the proclivities of old cinema. I pretty much draw the line at the 70s. I, I've seen movies from the 60s, and I don't like them. I can't do it. But I feel like I've got to watch Citizen Kane to see, you know? Is this where we want to, like, piss off most people in my family? When I go, I mean, Casablanca is good, but like, guys, <laughs> movie's old as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I said it. I mean, I like, I really like Casablanca, but people are like, oh my God, what's like my favorite movie? And I'm like, yikes. I don't think I've ever There's heard you a- say anything more Zoomer. Yeah. <laughs> that is- <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, I, I do kind of get it, because uh, when it comes to the old classics like that, there is a bit of, uh, <laughs> boy, it's going to suck co-opting this phrase for this purpose, but it, it's kind of uh, virtue signaling in its own way, where if you want to tell someone, I like movies, then you tell them your favorite movie is a black and white picture, right? Oh, I hate those people. Is that you? <laughs> no, it's not me. I've got oh. I've got much newer movies as my top see, picks. But see, I'm also the person that's like, yeah, The Godfather is the greatest movie ever made, and don't tell me anything otherwise, or I'll fight you. <laughs> but at least The Godfather is in color and still has actors that <laughs> we recognize. Yes, yes, and it's more like modern acting in it, right? Which, I, I mean, yeah, even watching something like uh, Alien, I saw Alien recently, and I couldn't Ooh. help but think, like, wow, the acting's actually kind of bad in this, huh? Alien 1, I don't think, wow, we're going to, I'm going in with some hot movie takes. I don't think Alien 1 holds up that well. <laughs> I mean, mostly because it just looks like shit today, given the premise of it. Like, I wish... I wish that there was a way that you could do to movies what they do in games where they just only touch how it looks. 
They just modernized the visuals. It's still jank as fuck as it was when it came out. It handles like shit, but it just looks like it came out a couple years ago, basically. I wish you could do that with some movies. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, we are getting way off topic, though. Yeah, we are. Holy shit. Um, okay, back to the Oscars. Yeah, so uh, those are our eight nominees, and the Oscars are about a month and a half away. I have personally I they were seen... they mid-April. They're April 25th. Oh, my God. Yeah, very late this year. Um, I've already seen four of the eight movies here for Best Picture. You've only seen two. Um, yeah. But I imagine you'll be getting to three more of them pretty soon. Mank, Minari, and... Nomadland. No, Mank, Nomadland, and Sound of Metal are the three that I will be watching. Oh, really? Minari is not your, in your three. I want to, but it's not on a streaming service. Oh, the other three, okay. Nomadland, Mank, and Sound of Metal are on Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix. Okay. So they're very easily approachable. The Father... Oh, actually, The Father might be on Hulu, too. Um, there, there's two, there's two movies that ha- are either nominated for best picture and or a best acting category that are on Hulu. I know Nomadland is, and there's one more. Um, so I, I'm going to be watching a pro- hopefully a couple of those this week. Yeah. So it should be fairly easy. I want us to watch all of the best picture nominees at the very least before the Oscars yeah. actually air so we can have a more in-depth conversation about it. We can do a predictions. Yeah, that too. Um, now, I mean, granted, there are uh, some movies that are not nominated for best picture that show up elsewhere, stuff like Hillbilly Elegy, of course, all the international films, some of the animated. We might not get to those. My priority is going to be best picture nominees. Yeah, I usually try to watch most of the ones for the best acting and best picture are the ones that I usually will go out of my way to try and watch unless it's like that uh, Alzheimer's movie that What's-Her-Face won for for best actress where I was like, this movie's eh, but she's fantastic. I usually will skip those. Yeah, Uh, and uh, I mean, you know, a couple highlights that I personally also want to get to uh, that show up elsewhere. Uh, I still haven't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is, of oh, course, I, what Chadwick Boseman yes. is nominated for. Uh, News of the World is on my list. And then uh, Mads Mikkelsen's lead role in Another Round, I, I very much want to see as well. I also hear that Viola Davis is amazing in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes, which... Uh, and Andra Day is amazing in the United States versus Billie Holiday. Which they are both so, nominated for Best Actress. So That actress category is kind of stacked. Yeah. Especially with, uh, I think Nomadland right now is the favorite for winning Best Picture. And of course, Frances McDormand is nominated for uh, Lead Actress for Nomadland. I don't think she will win simply because she won for three billboards. <laughs> right. And that was not that long ago. Because unfortunately, usually... uh, the Academy is more politics than it is quality. But also, we haven't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and so I think once I see that, it's not even going to be a, a discussion, and I'm going to be like, yes, it's Viola Davis. Don't at me. <laughs> uh, uh, personally, for me, when it comes to these uh, kinds of award shows, and uh, not just limited to the Oscars, but uh, video game award shows as well, my most interesting categories for me, uh, uh, talking specifically Oscars, is going to be uh, Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Actor, I love uh, original screenplay. 
and yes. I like best director. Those are the categories I look for. Are you similar? Yes, but I also throw in cinematography. Okay. And animated film, which I won't get mad because of COVID, but and it never actually released in the U.S., and that's the only thing it has going for it. But, uh, you know, once again, uh, Demon Slayer didn't get nominated, which I doubt it would have even if it came out. But <laughs> with the hype train that it has and Western audiences have for that franchise in general, I actually think it would have been forced to be nominated. Probably wouldn't have won regardless, but I, I think it might have been forced to get nominated if it had gotten the proper chance to release in the West had COVID not happened. Right. And on the topic of anime feature film, I, I brought this up a little bit this morning. It's uh it's it's boggling to me that Onward and Soul both released in a window that made them eligible to be nominated here. That is that is interesting. So you know, kind of like Netflix having two movies for best picture, we've got Pixar here with two movies for best animated feature. And I I mean animated feature is always kind of a weird one. Uh a lot of times there's there's filler bullshit here like when Don't. Don't get me started, Chris. <laughs> when Boss Baby was nominated for Best Animated Feature. But a silent voice wasn't. Yeah. So <clears throat> I feel like there there had to have been better movies to be here than Onward. And I don't think Onward's a bad movie. I don't think it's Best Animated Feature worthy. Soul, I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly happy Soul being here. Soul's going to take it. Oh, it's it. going to win. Yeah. Yeah. There's no chance Soul doesn't win Best Animated. I would be shocked. <laughs> but just the sheer fact that they're both here is like, <laughs> time doesn't mean anything anymore. I always love the animated feature film category because I always like fill it out of what I think will happen. And it's the easiest lock every year when it's like, Pixar movie, that one, right? every time. Or if there's not almost... a Pixar movie, then it's going to be the Disney movie that's assuredly there otherwise. Except for the year that the greatest animated movie of all time came out and uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. Which I don't know what Pixar movie that went up against. I feel like it was Brave. Who could have been. Uh, I'm going to look that up now because I am curious. That was definitely a, a weird year, but that was also, you know, despite that, I think it still wasn't hard to pick. We knew Spider-Verse was going to win regardless. But that was one, no, it actually might have been a little bit better one, like Frozen 2. Um, and I was like scared shitless because I was like, if if Spider-Man doesn't win this, I, I'm going to spontaneously combust and then explode. <laughs> Because that's still, like, the greatest animated movie I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The Spider-Verse oh. is legitimately a top five movie for me. Uh, the vapors are starting to flow, Chris. Oh, Jesus. Uh. Okay, so it looks like that year was uh, Spider-Verse, Incredibles 2, Ralph Breaks mm. the Internet, Isle of Dogs, and Mirai. Wow, that was actually a pretty good year. Yeah, no, I those those are actually all phenomenal movies. Yeah. I didn't realize huh. that that was the Isle of Dogs year, which I, That's honestly... That's why I was so scared. It's a shame that, that Spider-Verse was in the year for Isle of Dogs, because I feel like Isle of Dogs doesn't get talked about enough. I think that's because it is... Oh, I've already... What's his name? The director? Yeah. Wes Anderson. 
It's one of Wes Anderson's. They just, for, when it comes to Wes Anderson movies, people are like, "Oh yeah, we don't talk about that one." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, it wasn't that bad." No, Isle of Dogs is very good. Wait, man, what are they talking about? I love Isle of I Dogs. I think there's some. I've heard some people who aren't crazy about it, and I'm like, "Oh." I enjoyed it. It is a very enjoyable movie. I mean, if nothing else, just from a production standpoint, it's one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, that, the art style is really cool. Uh, uh, but uh, do you have any other categories, Oscar-wise, you want to hit on? Uh, I don't think so, other than just, like, why is uh, original song still a thing? <laughs> yeah, it's not even, I, like, I mean, who cares about it this year? Wait, wait, is that actually... Oh, yeah, 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 it's that. But then there's just... Like, the score, I get the score, like, yeah, but then they still have, like, original song as a category, and I'm like, this isn't the Grammys. Oh, I guess, see, this is how little we pay attention to music. The Grammys were last night. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure, whatever. Music's dead today now. (laughs) Well, I always think the Grammys are, like, the dumbest music awards. Daft Punk broke up, so music music is dead to me. Award show. Oh, no. (laughs) But, Chris, your lord and savior, Taylor Swift. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, without a musical being nominated, it seems weird to me that original song is even a category. Because then it's like, I mean, you've already got an Oscar bait movie, but then your Oscar bait movie has to have an original song associated with it. Like, the average moviegoer, when you go see a movie, I, I feel like the last thing on your mind is, what is the song made for this movie, right? Yeah, I well, I like because uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is nominated, and I'm like, couldn't tell you when that song came came up in the movie. Don't know. I, I most of the t- unless it's a musical, I most of the time I don't even know. It's like, oh yeah, because the song played for maybe thirty seconds. Yeah, it's not like the whole song playing. Whereas alternatively, when you've got something like The Greatest Showman or La La Land, you know, that musical essentially has a single, and it's the song associated with all of its marketing. It's over all the commercials and the trailers, and when you see it in theaters, you're like, oh yes, that is the song. That makes sense. There's a correlation. Anything else, I I don't understand, and it's a waste of resources to try to make one for a movie. I guess this year, too, is one where it is a little more out of place because... Usually there's one or two musicals that come out a year. There's usually a movie about the music industry in some way. So it's like, okay, there's three easy ones, and then you just throw two others in there. Boom, there it goes. But, yeah, I I, I could just, I could do without it. Sure. Uh, but then the EGOT wouldn't be a thing, so they have to keep it around. <laughs> I just, I just killed my own idea. <laughs> All right, well, I think that'll do it for us this week. Uh, Check back with us in about a month when we will probably do some Oscar predictions, assuming we can get around to watching all the Best Picture noms. Uh, I'm very excited to watch them, however, uh, because I I love movies, and it's so much more accessible to watch than play a whole video game. Yeah, I've heard... I'm really excited to watch Sound of Metal because I've I've heard some good things about how it's a sleeper pick. Yeah, I just uh, really good. I look forward to having some more in-depth conversations about all these movies once we have a chance to line up on them. Yes. Um, so until then, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. If you're listening literally anywhere else, tell a friend and get us in more headphones and ears. Uh, otherwise, follow us on Twitter at obsession underscore pod. If you want to be part of Hayden's bracket pool, uh, follow us on Twitter yeah. and shoot a DM. Yeah. 
Yeah, we need those follows because we don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So until next week, uh, we'll be here, and we hope to see you then. Bye. Bye.